Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Sometimes you got to shake off all the stuff. Amen? Sometimes you just got to get the mess off, you know? It's kind of like stepping in dog poo, you know? You just got to stop what you're doing and clean it off or you're just going to be smelling it all day. Seriously. I ain't, I ain't playing. I'm being for real here. Life is just like stepping in dog poo. It's our gum on your roller skates. Amen. Amen. We know a little something about that, don't we, Chris? I tell y'all what, I'm going to tell you something about Chris Lewis real quick since he spoke up. Since he said something, he operates in the office of prophet. Y'all all know this, right? You know, like he'll get up here and he'll have a word and it's a strong word and it's, it's, it, is, it is amazing. What is equally amazing is to see this boy on a pair of skates going around the skating rink. I ain't never seen a white boy <laughs> as much as him on the skates. It is a beautiful thing to see. In fact, he, is in, he, he has inspired me. I am inspired to lease the skating palace for one night just so we can all go watch Chris. What you think? What y'all think? Y'all think that'd be fun? Yeah, we'll call it a fundraiser somewhere or something like that. I'll get 10 bucks out of everybody and we'll give it to the kids' church. Amen? We'll do something like that. I think that'd be a lot of fun, right? What do you think, Chris? Oh, both of them. Mr. John can too? Oh, golly. Yeah, we're doing that, y'all. We're going to do that for sure. Yeah, and a race. We do. We do. Got to have, have that race. Got to do it. Got to do it all. Everybody good this morning? I'm waiting on my stuff here. You know, uh, we've been talking about, I, I believe I was on resting for a little while, and then I got off on uh, unbelief a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were out last week. Uh, Angel and I went down to Destin, preached in, uh, um, what's the name of that town? Fort Walton. Went down there a few times before I was preaching. Anybody ever been to Fort Walton before? First few times I went there, it was, yeah. But now I go and I preach. You know, I don't go down there and get all toe up and ignorant, you know. <laughs> Most times. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Right. But something came out... Um, You know, something came out uh, while we were there that I've never really seen uh, except for, you know, I mean, I, I, you know how you read scriptures from time to time. And uh, I kind of got it this morning while we were, um, um, you know, while we were in praise and worship. And I kind of want to look at uh, Mark chapter 9, Miss Marvely. That's not on your list for this morning. Yeah. I'm trying to find my spot. Y'all forgive me. I'm doing this off the fly. All right, so let's go, Miss Marvely. This is in Mark 9, verse 19 is where I want to be. Sorry about that, y'all. 
Mark 9, verse 19. As you could tell, we are on the fly here. This is impromptu. Y'all with me? If you remember from a couple weeks ago, we told a story about a man that had a son who was demon-possessed. Do we remember this? And the demon would take the son and seize him, and the son would be sometimes thrown into the water and then sometimes thrown into the fire, and he would flop around on the ground and foam at the mouth. We remember all this? And if you remember, the disciples were asked by the father to cast out what was in the son. And the disciples were having a hard time getting the, the son free from this demon possession that he was dealing with. And they couldn't, they couldn't cast out what was in him. Now, if we remember, if we look at, at Luke, Luke, around chapter 8, Jesus anoints 70, which includes the 12, to go out in his name and to cast out demons and to, 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 to heal the sick, is what he says in there. And then in, ver in chapter 10 of Luke, they come back and say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And if you remember in verse 19, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Y'all remember that scripture? And, what, you know, and you'll trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall be able to hurt you kind of deal. If y'all remember that, then all of that in Luke about them being anointed to cast out demons happened before this story. So the disciples were concerned as to why is it that they could not cast out what was going on. And the thing that jumped out to me more than anything in this story this, this last week was this spot right here. Because they, they said, you know, Lord, we need you to do something about this thing. We need you to do something about this thing right here. This problem that we've got, this issue that we have, we need you to do something about this issue. And this scripture jumped out to me whenever we read it last week. He, he answered them and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. How often we find ourselves with a problem, with a situation that we do not bring to the master. We find ourselves trying to fix something on our own. We find ourselves in a situation where what we want to do is we want to handle it. Oh, I'll handle it. Especially the men in the room. How many of you men, y'all quick to say, I got this? Huh? Or is it just me? I guess it's just me, huh? I guess the rest of you just go ahead and run straight to Jesus. I need y'all to come preach this morning. You see where I'm coming from? Jesus said, bring him to me. Bring the problem to me. Bring the situation to me. Let me have the situation. Bring it. The first thing you should have done was to have brought it to me. If it wasn't working out the way you wanted it to work out and it didn't seem to come together the way you thought it ought to come together, you should have stopped what you were doing and brought it straight to me. You should have off, threw the brakes on, said, I'm done with what I'm trying to do. I'm not doing it. I'm going to bring it to him. It's a problem. So I'm going to bring it to Jesus. So many times we find in our lives that we do not bring things to him. And what happened in this situation that, it, can we back up Marvel Lee to verse 14? 
What happened in this situation when they did not bring it to Jesus? When he came to the disciples, this is talking about Jesus, he was coming up on this scene. First thing, he saw a great multitude around him and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with my people? What are you talking about with my disciples? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought to you my son who was mute or who, who had a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at the teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they could cast it out, but they could not. See, immediately, immediately the thing that happened here is that the people, the disciples started to work on it right then. The guy brought it and he said he had it figured out. He was like, I'm going to take this thing to Jesus. He gets there, Jesus wasn't there. The disciples began to try to do what they were wanting to do, and it didn't work out, and they stopped. They stopped. And in this situation where it was not originally brought to Jesus, if you back up, um, Marvelly, to verse 14 again, I want to show you all something, then I'll move on. He saw a great multitude around who? Around the disciples. There was a great multitude, lots of people watching, waiting to see what's going to happen. Many of us have been believing God, trusting in the Lord, living the life that we're supposed to live, the straight and narrow, and there's folks around us all the time watching and waiting for us to mess it up. They're looking at us and looking on. And the disciples in that moment did not bring the problem with Jesus. They let something else take place in their lives. They let something else start to take root in them that, that ended up limiting God altogether. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Miss Marvelee. And we're going to go to verse 18, Mark 4 18. Are y'all with me? Are you everybody tracking? We good? We run a marathon in a minute if you want to. Run around the building two or three times. Now, these are the ones that are sown among thorns. In this spot, Jesus is talking about the different types of ground that can happen out there. And the ground is the heart of man, and the seed that is sown is the Word of God, is the parable that he's explaining to the disciples. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the Word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And if y'all remember, we talked about our faith being the size of a mustard seed is more than enough to remove a mountain. That little bit of faith can make you live a life that is full of possibilities, full of, of, of times whenever the, anything that you could think or anything that you can ask can come to pass, that that faith, that little mustard seed faith is enough to do that. However, unbelief comes in and squeezes it, right? This is where the unbelief starts to come in. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things. The cares of this world are creeping in on the disciples while they're trying to do what they're doing. People are watching them and they, they like, they're, getting, they're getting caught up in what's going on around them. Distracted is the term that I like to use. They became distracted with things. That the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke that word. This is where we live every day of our lives. Right here. Right here. The cares of this world, the problems, 
the issues, the things that come our way that are coming to take the word. The, the problems in this world are not coming after you. The devil is not coming after you. He's coming after the word that you're carrying to the world. He's coming after what God has placed on the inside of you. As far as he's concerned, you ain't nothing. We ain't nothing. He ain't worried about us. He's worried about the word that we have in us. He wants that word to stop. He, wants, he does not want us to open our mouths and say what the word of God has to say. Because as long as we keep our mouths shut, and we don't do anything, guess what will happen? Nothing. And he is A-okay with everything just happening like nothing. He has no problem with, the, with nothing taking place in our lives. He has no problem with us sitting around watching Netflix all day, binging on some new show that we want to watch and look at. He has no problem with us being on social media five and a half hours during the afternoon instead of mowing the grass and taking out the trash. I must be at the wrong church, Paul. I'm, I'm supposed to be someplace else this morning. <laughs> Are y'all feeling me here? I, and I'm, and I, yeah, I'm meddling. I'm wanting to meddle on purpose. I'm wanting to meddle on purpose. I'm wanting to meddle on purpose because what we don't do when a problem comes up is we don't take it to Jesus. We let all the things we've been thinking about and all the stuff we've been looking at, we let that guide us on where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to be doing. We would rather hear from our friends on what we're supposed to do as opposed to going to God and asking Him what our next step is, is going to be. That's what we would rather do. I, I don't know about y'all. I'm going to talk about me. That's what I would rather do because y'all got it together this morning. Amen. That we, I take this time and instead of taking care of business, too busy watching Netflix or flipping through some sort of social media. And it becomes a distraction. And next thing you know, there's a problem in my life. I start trying to work on it. I start trying to put my faith to work. And the desire for other things have entered in and they've choked the word that's in my heart, and it's unfruitful. And then I can't figure out why it won't happen. Can't figure out why it's not working out. Amen? So let's get off of that. I'm meddling with y'all too much. So Marva Lee, let's switch gears. Play my little video if you would. It's a little short video. Y'all got time for a short video this morning? It won't last long. It'll feel good. You'll like it. You'll like it, ma'am. Yeah, maybe, maybe the ones up here. No, not the ones out there, the ones up here. Yeah. You're going to like it. Amen. Dangerous to your Starfleet, Commander, not to this battle station. The rebellion will continue to gain your support in the Imperial Senate. The Imperial Senate will no longer be of any concern to us. I have just received word that the Emperor has dissolved the Council permanently. The last remnants of the Old Republic have been swept away. That's impossible. How will the Emperor maintain control without the bureaucracy? The regional governors now have direct control over their territories. Fear will keep the local systems in line. 
fear of this battle station. And what of the rebellion? If the rebels have obtained a complete technical readout of this station, it is possible, however unlikely, that they might find a weakness and exploit it. The plans you refer to will soon be back in our hands. Any attack made by the rebels against this station would be a useless gesture, no matter what technical data they've obtained. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. Your plan is insignificant next to the power of the Force. Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader. Your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes, or given you clairvoyance enough to find the rebels hidden fort. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Out of this. Venda, release him. As you wish. <clears throat> That's good, Miss Marvelee. Thank you. Amen. It's always good to have a little Darth Vader in your life, right? Thanks. Paul, Paul said no. Uh, this is probably my last Sunday, just letting y'all know. This is it. It's over. Or either he's going to be real happy he's going to Africa. So anyhow, the reason why I wanted to play that is because you notice that Darth Vader says that your lack of faith, your lack of faith, and I think Darth Vader actually got it a little bit wrong here. All right? Admiral Mahdi, which is the guy that was choked, that's his name, Admiral, Admiral Mahdi. I mean, that's his name, M-O-T-T-I, Admiral Mahdi. How many of y'all knew that, right? Amen. Amen. I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm just letting everybody know what it is. You know? <laughs> I mean, Matthew Morgan didn't even know that. Yeah. Anyhow, Admiral Mahdi wasn't necessarily, it wasn't so much that he didn't believe in the hokey religion that Darth Vader was trying to live out in front of him. Right? It wasn't so much that. He was just so proud of what he had done and what they had done to, to build the battle station that was the most powerful weapon in the entire universe. Y'all with me? Are you following me? And so Vader comes up and he does the force choke, which I love the way the speaker shook it. Isn't it awesome when you got a good subwoofer? It's like, whoa. And then it increases. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. Amen. You know, but anyway... When he did the chokehold and told him, you know, your lack of faith, he got it absolutely wrong. It wasn't necessarily a lack of faith. It was a ton of unbelief that that guy had in his ability to find the plans that were missing. Are y'all with me? It wasn't because the guy had got so caught up in all that he had done. He and his people done. We have created this thing. We have built this thing. Look what I did. Ain't it a grand thing? Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, Miss Marvelee. We're going to close it out. Ephesians chapter 3. Goes right at the, it goes right at the, the, the heart of this thing, in my opinion. Now to Him, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in 
us. God is able to fix any and every problem that has come your way. That's the reason why Jesus said, bring him to me. Bring the problem to me. Bring the problem to the word. Lay the problem out in front of the word and put the word on the problem. Why? Because in the word, you will find a... You will find yourself being able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. That's where this is found. That's the kind of life that we're supposed to be living. God is able to make all of that come to pass in us and in our lives and, and, and make it manifest to where we can actually see it. You can touch it. You can kiss it. You can, you can hug it. You can, you can ride in it. You can live in it. You can drive it. Whatever it is that you're looking for, you can run it. If you're looking for a piece of equipment, whatever the case may be, you can walk in it fully. All of that can happen. God is more than able to make all of those things come to pass. But if you pay attention to what it's saying, it's above anything that you ask. And anything that you think. So God is sitting on his throne and has moved the mountains more than once, has moved everything out the way, has given you complete and total way out. However, if our thinking is not in a spot to where he can go, he can use it, if our thinking is not a way, if we're just thinking that we're just where we're at and that's where we're at and that's where we're always going to be, if we're in that spot, or here's worse, if we start saying those things out of our mouth, if we begin to say that things are not going to get any better than the, what they are, they're never going to be any better than what they are. I'm never going to be able to do. I'm never going to be able to be. If we start talking that way, then, then, then he has nothing to work with. He's able to do above what you ask, what you think according to the power that is working in you. What is that power that's working in you? It's your faith. It's your faith working in you. How much is it working? Do you have problems? Do you have the troubles of life that are squeezing in? Do you have too much Netflix going on? Do we have too much Instagram going on? Are we, what's a new, there's a new one out there that I heard of. There's, there's just all kinds of little social media stuff popping up left and right that we're spending weight. Are you on your phone too much? Are you? Because the exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think is going to be working on, based on the power that is in you. How much of his power is in you? How much of it are you letting work out? How much of it are you really, really, really letting work out as opposed to letting the wrong things work in? Amen? And you'd be like Admiral Mahdi, be building something and be all be all proud about all the stuff you built and feeling all good about the things that you built. And now God can't work. He still can't work. He's like Darth Vader. He just want to choke you out. I'm playing. He ain't going to do that. He ain't going to choke you out. Maybe. I don't know. I guess he could if he wanted to. Amen. So you smelling when I'm stepping in? There is stuff happening all around us and they're nothing more than distractions to get our minds off of the things of God. When the troubles of life come, when the problems come, we are to take those to Jesus. Take them straight to the Word and let the Word begin to work in our lives and let the Word start to do what the Word does, which is change things. Amen? Let's all stand. We're going home. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We